All right, we are live. Tap and Birdie with the first ever Tap and Birdie guest back in May for the PGA Championship. Rob, host of the Approach Pod on Monday nights. Rob, how you doing tonight, man? Uh, I'm doing excellent. Super excited. And like I tweeted out earlier, back to the roots. We were talking before we got cooking on the show about how much fun it was. It makes you think about, gosh, when you're looking back to your college days, you're like, gosh, how great that was. And even though it was only in the spring, uh, when when everything was just kind of being started and created, I think with both of us, it's just, it was a fond memory. And I appreciate you and what you do and how you treat and work with people. You're just great at it. And you kind of helped me out back then. And so very thankful. And now I'm very excited to be talking Mayakoba. Yeah, no, it should be it should be a good tournament. Just just so the uh, the followers know, it was back in like April, May, and Rob and I would DM. He, we both had less than a thousand followers. Rob didn't even have his profile picture up. He had like <laughs> two hundred followers. I had like six hundred followers, and we would just like talk off, like DM, talk yeah. off. I was like, "Who's this guy? He's won a bunch of money on DFS." I was like, "Spitballing," and I'm like, "Dude." I'm going to start a pod. And then I was like, easy first guest was Rob. It was like, no question, you were going to be my first <laughs> guest on the pod. And then, you know, it was, a, it was a great pod, obviously. We gave out Louie. That's where my love for Louie started. And now we the both genesis have, of Louie. Yeah. And now we both have our own pod. If you don't listen to Rob's pod, which I, I have no clue why you wouldn't, Monday nights with my other good friend, Drew. It's amazing. I listen to it every week. I love it. Um, so I'm glad, you know, that we've we've grown in the uh, the industry, and uh, it's great. Everything's full circle, and uh, and you'll definitely be on again, certainly. And I felt like this was the uh, the perfect event for you uh, in Mayakoba this week. Oh, it's you couldn't have asked for a better event for me to be on. Yeah, no, this is this is the week <laughs> where uh, where we're making money and where uh, we're cashing some lineups. One hundred percent couldn't be more certain about it that this will be couldn't uh, be this more will certain. be I, I have no doubt in my mind i was looking at my best form like i don't think any one of these will lose so couldn't feel better <laughs> about this week couldn't feel better about my bets and uh i'm uh looking forward to uh to talking about the board with you so what do you think about my but luckily you know we've had a lot of history here and this tournament yep. has been around for multiple years, so that's always good when looking at a tournament. So what type of stats and what type of golfers are you looking for specifically this week uh, in your research? Yeah, so so guys that uh, obviously keep it in the fairway, that's a big narrative that we're hearing this week, but maybe with less than driver, so three wood. So if you listened to our show last night, Gary Woodland's name is mentioned, someone who can hit the stinger off the tee, can kill it with the three wood because – Unfortunately, with some of the forced layups on this course, we're not going to be needing driver all the time. But one thing I thought was really interesting, and I know like John P.J. Taut and Mike from the cut line and our own Jason at, at Fanshawe put out great course previews. So you probably likely already have all that information. But speaking of one at Mike from the cut line, and I don't want to use wrong his information or speak, uh, you know, put words in his mouth, but and his course preview, he said something very interesting that even though we've had guys like, you know, nothing coming to mind that's like, you know, short hitters, like a Brendan Todd, for example, that have won here, that actually the top 
kind of 10% of the players that do well here actually rank in the above the near top in category and driving distance. So I thought that was just interesting that nobody's really talking about because we don't really think driving distance and accuracy go well together. But there seems to be a little trend that if you're kind of in the top you know, 10% or top 10 of the golf tournament come Sunday, you, you likely maybe in years past rank pretty highly in driving distance. So I just thought that was interesting. And then lastly, the greens are slow with the past ballum tends to run a little bit slower than normal. And the greens are big. It's a resort style course. So, you know, proximity will, will kind of maybe play an important role here. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And that's really what I'm like. A lot of the guys I'm betting are excellent off the tee because I think if you just go to the past winner, Victor, Victor Hovland, I mean, what does he do well? He bombs it off the tee. He's great mm-hmm. on approach. So I'm looking for strong golfers off the tee. And then like we talked about with this putting narrative and these greens that are definitely a lot slower, it definitely could highlight some people that are historically bad putters on the PGA Tour. So I'm definitely playing exactly. a lot of some people that might be a little bit poor putting and just ball striking machines that their you know kryptonite might be on the uh the flat stick and this this might be this doesn't mean they're gonna put the lights out all week but it gives them a better chance to putt well and if they're already excellent from tee to green i think it's worth um giving them a shot this week so let's get into the betting board let's get into DraftKings, rob who is who are you starting your lineups with this week? Who is your favorite first click to start your DFS lineups this week? Who are you thinking at the top of the board? So I should preface that at the top of the board, often it's not my first click because that's where ownership is pretty condensed near the top. And it's, you know, as you get down to the 6K range, it really spreads out because some of the players are near kind of kind of 1%. But at the top of the board, it's hard not to like Justin Thomas. You know, he, he, I think he leads the, the strokes game total over the last 50 rounds on the Pospalum, you know, kind of greens. And so really like that. But he's actually coming in in, in nice form with the trends. I know you and I have talked about since day one the importance of the rolling data and, and finding golfers that are in ball striking trends. But since the Open and even before that, Justin Thomas was killing it on approach. But at the same tune which he has great courses, the Northern Trust, the BMW Tour Championship, the CJ Cup, all gain strokes on approach. We know that's what Justin Thomas to be, what has been holding him back and holding him back for possibly what some would consider a down year. Last year has been his, his putting. He finished 18th the CJ Cup while losing three strokes on the greens. And you just pointed out so well is that on the postpartum greens, they tend to run a, be, a run a little bit slower. Slower greens usually helps weaker putters. And so if Justin Thomas, if we're saying he's a weaker putter, hey, that that maybe kind of disadvantage gets neutralized a little bit. So I really like JT. I'm going to tell you his ownership on Fanshare isn't that bad right now. It's at 18%. That's high, but not so high, the highest guy maybe in that range. So JT's the, the first look, and I know that's going to be a popular play. Yeah, no, I think that like – we don't have to guess with JT and his relationship with these types of greens. Like he's proven that he just historically puts better on these types of greens and he plays really well in the swing season. And in a, in a betting perspective, a 16 to one isn't really that bad 
on him if you want to start at the top and you truly believe that he has the best chance to win this week. It's obviously a little tough betting the top, the, the lowest um, odds, but I think that it does make sense for JT this week. I won't be getting there. My favorite guy to probably start my lineups with this weekend from a pure leverage standpoint and a pure just ownership standpoint would be Tony Finau. I have no bets on yeah. him, no exposure to him in that sense, but I think that he's going to be the lowest owned of the uh, the top guys other than maybe Brooks Kepka. But I do think Tony can definitely play here, play well here. So I'm going to start my lineups with him in, in large GPPs from an ownership standpoint. Um, next guy I want to talk about, you're betting him outright. He has yet to win on the PGA Tour. He was excellent at the Ryder Cup, has been excellent in majors. Scotty Scheffler, what sh- what? Strike you about Scotty Scheffler that you think he's going to win this week and has a decent shot, and uh, you like Scotty this week. What 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 did it for you? Yeah, well, it's a combination of you know how how his ceiling could be. I know he hasn't won yet, but the upside is definitely there, and we've seen that. But th- this course reminds me of a little bit of the WGC, and the name's escaping right now that we saw in in Florida where. He finished, I think, tied three behind Colin Morikawa. Yeah, the concession, it, of course. Yeah, the concession. Yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit, a bit like that, where he's played well, but he fits out in strokes gained data ranking over twenty-four rounds. He ranks eighth in kind of a proximity stat. I really like, and that's going to be important. What also tends to be important is some of the proximity approach shots. So we have a big key stat is one twenty-five to one fifty, and Scheffler ranks in the top twenty w- within that. And so combined with the own, not ownership, we're not talking DFS, even though he likely will be in my player pool, but I really like him as an outright because of the, the upside versus the price. I, I think when, when the end of this year, and this is kind of long-term handicapping, kind of what I'm going to toot my own horn, what I've done with Gooch, I, I think Scotty Scheffler is definitely going to win this season and maybe be a multiple-time winner. And so we're getting a guy who I'm projecting just – without even any data, it's more of the eye test. I think uh, this guy is going to be maybe possibly a, a multi-time winner this year at, at this price. You know, s- s- sign me up in, in what is a little bit weaker field compared to an in-season tour stop. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, and and I like Scotty this week, and I think 33-1 to 1 is a good number on him. I mean, that's 20 bucks to win like 600. I like that bet. It's not even that big of an investment. And I get, so I, I'll tell you on an, on a narrative based, I think and my buddy Drew just should send it out that he shot a 58, I think with playing last weekend. So if you want to buy into playing around with your buddies and you're shooting a 58, you know, he could be I, coming in a good form. And I think it could be a little bit of a similar situation to Hovland kind of having his breakout win here last year that Scotty can get his breakout win here. So I, I like that. Um, my favorite play and my bet in this range is going to be Aaron Wise. I bet him outright. I was 1 million percent going to play him this week. So when I woke up Monday morning and I saw that he was at 30 to 1, it definitely did surprise me like I can't really think of a time where Vegas like thought and like reflected and kind of like how we think about things like Aaron Wise good course history and good recent form we're gonna shoot him at 30 to 1 which is very surprising considering I bet him the last three tournaments at like 80 to 1 but I'm not gonna not 
bet him if I was already going to just because his number is worse. I think Vegas is actually telling you that this guy has a very good chance to win this week. So I wouldn't be able to forgive myself if I didn't play Aaron Wise this week. I'll be playing him at DraftKings. I have a big top 20 on him. I bet him outright. He was my first click outright. So I just think, I mean, Vegas can tell you everything. He is second last here, and he had two top tens his last starts, and the putter has been excellent, and that's where he's actually been struggling. So I think yeah. that, and he was very popular two weeks ago when he, or two or three weeks ago when he played, and he top ten, and he won me a bunch of money at DraftKings. So I think that it's it's not this fluke coincidence thing. I think that Vegas is telling you something with his number, and I know it might be a little bit uneasy to get around to betting a guy that's usually in the 80s at a 30, but I'm going to do it, and I'm all about Aaron Wise this week. So, And I what I'm also very surprised at is that his ownership looks to still be high. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's surprising. I would think that some people would see his price and uh, his odds and not want to play him, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Well, I th- yeah, I think people are looking at the strokes gain data and how he's played over the last 12 tournaments, really, or 12 rounds, I should say, and it's been great. And speaking of his trend progression, he ranks in some ball striking stats 8, 6, and 10th between the last 12 and 4 rounds. So he's coming in hitting the ball, one of the best in the field, and I, I do think people – are noticing that and seeing that and even at 9600 yeah which is high for a guy like wise Fanshare has him at right now at at 17 percent a little high but i will say he ranks 21st in their core suitability ranking and just above him my boy scotty ranks 23rd so both of those guys kind of model out well according to Fanshare in their core suitability ranking um this week but yeah with how how well he's hitting the ball and how kind of well in the trend progression he's performing it's hard not to like Aaron Wise as an outright I I don't know if he's going to even make my pool in the DFS because it's it's hard when I when I look at a guy like 17 percent Aaron Wise my my thought is okay is that going to be good chalk or bad chalk and he doesn't have the back class that I would want to bite on that chalk and so to get possible leverage I'm fading likely in DFS. That's not saying I'm predicting him to be, you know, perform badly. I'm just more buying into that leverage of the possible leverage if he does happen to play bad. But in the betting market, you know, I I, I think he's a great bet because of how well he's playing. Reminds me of a little bit of my boy Gooch that we might get to in a second. Yeah, I mean, like, it was like, Gooch and Wise were like huge chalk like two weeks ago. And then like they both they both performed when people thought they were going to perform. So I love it. I'm riding yeah. the wise tra- I'm friends with the tracker. I mean, he's great. So yeah. I'm heavy on I'm heavy on him in the betting market this week. So I mean, he's he's an amazing golfer. Gooch, your guy. He is your yeah. guy. And he's shown up in the fall season. So I want to compliment you on that because he's performed and played at a very high level and puts him together some really good finishes. And you saw it, obviously. So uh obviously with these types of golfers, you, you can never lay off them. What but you can't pick <laughs> right. and choose, you gotta play them every week. But Got what to. here, what here do you think? can uh, help Gooch and make him a, a good play in DFS and the outright market and uh, everything at 40 to one. Right. Well, at, in the DFS, he's only projected 10%. And so that, that makes sense. He's in between will Willie Z 
He's in between the guys that Ricky and Tringali actually may be getting some ownership. Sergio's right in there. But, you know, right behind Wolf and Willie Z, he, he, he could go overlooked. And at 10%, it's kind of looking at it. But what, what I really like about Gooch, and I appreciate you, you know, throwing that shout out because I think it was, it was last spring while saying, like, watch out for this guy in the fall swing because of just how talented he is. And he's very underrated. And we're finally seeing the talent on display. He hasn't won yet, but similar to Wise, he's coming in trending with the ball striking, some of the best in, in the field and specifically on approach. That That's what Taylor Gooch does. And he's great within certain proximity stats, which we want here in these big greens. What, what holds Gooch back is off the tee. He's lost strokes off the tee throughout his whole career. He hasn't, you know, we have 95 measured rounds with Gooch and he, does not gain strokes off the tee. What gives me a little hope is that we won't need the driver off the tee. And I think with PGA Tout, which is kind of showing a correlation on off the tee when you're not using drivers, which is a great, you know, shout out to him for looking into it. That's yeah. a great way to look at it. But but just to give you an example of Gooch on approach, he gained 5.3, 5.6, and 2.6 in the last three tournaments. To have any sort of consistency above 2.5, is very, very tough to do on approach. And he has two straight tournaments in the five ranges on approach. That is very, very hard to do, especially back-to-back. -back. So he's hitting the ball the best yet ever had in his whole career. And I know we're not used to having a number at 40 to one on Gooch. It's more of like 80 and 60, but with, with he's hitting the ball and turning some of the best in the field. So, and I'm not gonna get off him now. I, I love the guy, I love the guy's game. It wins around the corner very soon. No, I, I love it, and I like his ownership in this range. I will be playing him in DFS this week for you, and I think it's a great play in the range, and I think it might Appreciate be a little, It will be a decent, like, if I'm worried about Aaron Wise's ownership a little bit, I think Gooch will be right in there. And if I want to play somebody at the top, I think it will be a little bit easier to play Gooch at 9K, at his 9K price. So the next guy I bet well, outright, and I oh, – um, will be playing in DraftKings. I will be playing Sergio Garcia this week. Yep. He's not someone I bet a lot or I like really like or I think it like but something about it this week just seems like this could be a very nice fit for him. I I kind of compare him a little bit to a guy like Victor Hovland that is just excellent tee to green and just absolutely pounds drivers and pounds fairways. So again, we're talking about great drivers this week and Sergio is known for being a bad putter. And if there's yeah. even the slightest advantage on these types of greens and the size of these greens, and if he just drops a little bit more putts, I just think that he has a shot this week. Looking at his ownership, um, I don't – it's 5%. So I really like him in that sense, also in his DraftKings play. But I will be heavy – I bet him outright. I bet him top 20. I bet him top 10. I like him in DraftKings at 5%. I just think he kind of flits, fits the blueprint that Hovland put out last year of just being excellent tee to green and just being an elite player. So, you know, Sergio, he's not like obviously has some good wins, but he was never really in contention a bunch that last year, which worries me a little bit. But, you know, again, like we've talked about, you know, this this stuff is random and there are a lot of breakthrough yeah. wins and things of that nature. So I'm taking a shot on Sergio this week, given the ball striking and Victor Hovland winning last year and hopefully the fact that maybe he could drop a few more uh, few more putts uh, this week. Uh, 
I, I love it. A great DFS play, like you said. I, I really love that. And a guy just above him that I'll just want to talk about, and then we can kind of move on if you like. But that's that's Matthew Wolf. And we wouldn't think Matthew Wolf like this is a good course fit with him. I'm pulling him up. Oh uh, yeah, course sustainability or suitability ranking. He ranks 30th on FanShare. It makes sense because one of Matthew Wolf's weapon over his career has been his driver. He can crush it off the tee, and maybe that gets neutralized a little bit. But what I really am liking about Matthew Wolf for this fall swing is how well he's done on approach. So 3.8 at the Shriners, where he finished second, 1.5, which isn't anything to kind of write home about. But that, that's a lot. That's kind of almost night and day improvement to what we saw in some tournaments within um, last year when he struggled. So I, I kind of like that. And Matthew Wolf, in, as a DFS player, he's 7%. And we've seen the ceiling. I mean, not ceiling because he, you know, yeah, I know he's won a few times, but we've seen him his upside, what he's done at the U.S. Open, how he's won before. I, I think at you're getting a guy under 10% in single digits in DFS. Talk about leverage of a guy that has win equity and can get you a ton of DraftKings points, which is also key in, um, in, in these events. We think placing points are vital, which they are, but DraftKings points, if you're not in the top five. Are, are incredibly important. Yeah, no, I, I I like Wolf this week, and I liked him because he's not someone you would automatically think of on a shorter course. But I right. think that, again, like we talked about, when it's a shorter course and you have the ability to club down and not have to rip driver, I think that could definitely help him. And Matthew no Wolf, is he, if he's trending and approaching, uh, having really good approach numbers, I like that to carry over this week. And another thing that I've seen with this fall swing is that a lot of these guys played a few tournaments before they won or played well. So I like that he already has a top five finish a few weeks ago. So I like that he has the confidence. He knows out he could go out and win in the swing season and he's already played well. So I like Wolf in DK and uh, I think I definitely will be, will be playing him. You definitely convinced him next guy. You bet outright. Ricky Fowler, a little bit of a speed resurgence um, a few weeks ago. What made you come around and uh, and not want to miss on Ricky's first one in a long time this week? Yeah, it's, it's really, again, coming back to trends. Like Trend, I think, is the – we can kind of get lost in strokes gain data and in DFS. That can actually hurt us if we just bury our heads in that. But one, I guess, tool we'll call it, I love looking at 100 rounds within the four, and you go look at 50, 24, 12, and 8. So what I like to find is not the guys who rank first, second, or the top 10, but players making big jumps from the last, say, 24 to 12 to 8 to 4 rounds. Ricky is making jumps like that. And when we see large jumps ahead, we mean, okay, a peak performance could be around the corner or or upcoming. That's what I think we could could see with Ricky. We don't have strokes gain data from the Zozo. He played very poorly. He gained – negative 1.1 just total and that's the only data we get but at the cj cup where we saw he kind of contended had a lead for a little bit gained strokes on approach hasn't done that since the rocket mortgages killed it off the tee hasn't done that in an even longer time so his game seems to be kind of trending really well and if you just look at the singular four to eight to 12 rounds nothing about his game is going to blow blow you away but what if you zoom out and look at the giant leaks that says to me that there's consistency and discrepancy. Discrepancy in the sense of he's again making those large jumps, which says if he makes another large jump right here, 
we get a peak performance and I, I want to buy in low on a peak performance opportunity within Ricky because everyone loves a plan and specifically in DFS, he's 7% owned projected right now. So I want to buy low at this opportunity that some trends suggest he could be coming in trending nicely. No, I, I like the Fowler play and I think that him contending a few weeks ago and his numbers and how it wasn't like he gained eight putting or anything. It was very consistent off the board and he gained a lot of tee to green, which I think is obviously always going to be important. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about a guy like Ricky Fowler and I've complimented Andy on this for picking him in our draft, like his upside is yeah. just so much higher than like these other guys around him. So I think that how well he competed a few weeks ago, like might've surprised a lot of people, but I think that, it might be a little speed esque where it's not just a flash in the pan one time thing. And he has a really decent season this year and stacks up a lot of high finishes and hopefully uh, gets a win because I know uh, the golf community would love to see that. And uh, I would too as well. I think that it would be really enjoyable. Oh, no for, doubt. Um, for a lot of people to see. So the next guy I want to talk about that um, you've been outright, I've been outright. I'm playing in DraftKings. I'm. Uh, betting top 20 um, is the guy that let us all down at the Wyndham Classic. But I'm going to forget about that. Russell Henley just makes a lot of sense for me this week. He was a spotlighted PGA Taps article. I tend to usually agree with him. But this course just screams Russell Henley. Shorter course. Don't need to putt as well. His ball striking numbers have been excellent. Two top 30 finishes on the swing season so far. So he's playing good golf. I like that he has the experience that playing in the swing season, and this is not his first event back. And again, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, that seems to be a common thing this week is like, if we're going to bet like ball strikers and off the tee guys, that can't putt like Russell Henley's kind of the definition of that. So I'm going to be there on him this week. I'm not going to, you know, expect him to win, but I do like a large top 20 play on him this week. He's going to be high-owned in DraftKings, just looking right now. Oh, yeah. I'm sure his ownership is going to be up there because, you know, the general public is pretty good with these things and uh, finding things. So I don't know a great DFS play, and I'm sure you'll agree, better bet. But uh, I I'm going to be on Russ Bus this week. I, I know you are. So what, what struck you about uh, Russ this week? Well, it's, it's everything you just said. You said it so well. This is a Russell Kinley course. Let me look at his course suitability ranking. And well, gosh, Fancher actually has him in 96, uh, which is not good, but we'll come back to that because I do, I agree with you that he is a course fit, but, you know, speaking of a guy like Gooch, that it's hard to maintain those strong approach numbers. Henley has only lost strokes gained off on approach, excuse me, once in the last 10 tournaments. And that was a 0.8 that, that he lost. So he kills it. And so that consistency is rare. At the CJ Cup, 5.2, the Shriner, 7.3. But what I really is, am intrigued about with Russell Henley is his putting. I, I believe it was 2017, Russell Henley ranked that season in the top you know, 10 or 20 in putting. And over the last 216 rounds, which is his whole tour career that we have measured for strokes gain data, Henley actually gained stroke putting. So over the course of his... I get early on his career, he actually gained strokes putting. And he, one year, he's one of the best. And so he's lost strokes putting in the last four. And not only has he lost strokes putting, he's lost strokes putting, lost 5.1 of the CJ and 6.1 of the Northern Trust. So just, just bad. 
But if he has this back class that says, okay, over the course of his career, he's, he's actually gained strokes putting. I, I think we could get, just like you said, on, on these type of greens, slower greens maybe, we get some positive regression with the putter. And combine that if his ball striking continues, he's a great outright play. He's an excellent top 20 play. I love that. But this could be one of those classics. He's I bet him outright and I fade in DFS. And you need, yeah. if you're a new to DFS out there, your how you conceptualize your handicapping for outright and how you build lineups in DFS have to be very, very different. And so this might be one of those cases. I'm not there yet, but He's projected 19% on fan share. If that kind of creeps up more, it might be a full fade. But I, I just like him so much, it might be hard, but but we'll see. But you're exactly right on, on Russell Henley. It's a good play. No, the, and, like, these balls, these T-degree numbers are, like, just insane. Over, like, 6.9, 5, 7, 6, 5, yeah. lost 7. And then, like, it's just unbelievable, like, what he does tee to green. And, like, if he's going to be able to just hit a few more putts this week and give himself a little bit better looks, I like it. So, in that range, where would you say would be a nice pivot off of a very high-owned Russell Henley in that mid-8,000 range? Um, so, who, who are you looking to play around him as a nice pivot off Russell Henley if his ownership gets too high? Yeah, so DFS pivot. I would have said earlier today, I would have said Justin Rose, but this is not the two, the fanshore, fanshare horn here, but fanshare has him at 17% while other services have, have him at single digits. And I've learned now over many, many tournaments, not the question, <laughs> fanshare. And so I, I expect that ownership number to come down a little bit as Mike keeps updating it through the week. But I don't think Justin Rose is going to be the single digits like everyone thinks and they're going to be as sneaky. So I'm going to skip over Justin Rose and go down a little bit further. And that's to Gary Woodland, who's projected at 5%. And so talk about a guy when you take driver off his hand, off the tee, I guess I should say, and you he can hit three wood or he can hit a stingers, s s sign me up. So I really like his, his course fits here. But I'm going to pull into a little bit of his trend and similar to Fowler with how some of his back class. And so I'm going to say over the last 24 rounds, it says he ranks almost 50th in the last 12 ranks 55th, then in the eight 29th, then the last four 18th. If he then jumps up even five to six spots with how he is, he'll have a top 10 here or likely a top 15. So I do. I like how he's trending. Again, we're not predicting anything. We don't say, oh, that this is kind of for certain. But trends work. And it makes sense. He's gained on approach, which really he really struggled with last year. He's gained strokes and approach in three state tournaments at the CJ Cup. Gained five off the tee. Love that. Not a great putter, but slower greens. Sign me up for 5% Gary Winland. We've seen his upside. He's a major champion. No, I, I like the Gary Woodland play, and I like it even more that his ownership is so low, and I'm a little surprised that it is that low given the stats about him and that he's had some decent finishes in this swing season. And yeah. like uh, PJ like like Tao tweeted in that really great graphic, like he just hits more fairways when he doesn't have to hit driver every single time, and I think that will be important this week. So I think given the ownership – and what he's done recently and how he's been on approach. I think it is an excellent DFS play. I will be there now that I have 
it, Rob, we always talk about DFS and stuff. Like, I want 200 bucks on a $12 single entry. Now I got a little bankroll going, okay? Now there you I'm go. Like, you know, now I'm like, okay, we're, we're doing more DFS stuff. So it only took, like, you know, a few months for me to, like, actually do something on DFS. It, but it, it all, works like it that all came together, and now I have the bankroll going. So I will be making a contrarian – low ownership GPP lineup that I will tweet out this week. And I think we should also play head to head this week with our favorite plays. So I will set that up and I'm looking forward Great. to doing that. Um, as we move into maybe the seven K range, a little further down the board, a guy that I'm playing, I bet outright at um, I think 65 to 66 to one plus 275 for a top 20. Absolutely love it. Is Seamus power T12 last week. Yeah. One at the Barracuda just a few months ago. I just think that it is really a no-brainer because I do think there, there are some similarities between last week and this week. Shorter course, coastal, in a, in a kind of similar part of the country. So I'm going to play a guy that played really well last week. And I think that he was, you know, towards the top of the board and that might have, you know, uh, not made some people play him. But I will be playing Seamus Power again this week. I think it – Plus 275 on a top 20 is excellent. I love that. One of yeah. my favorite plays of the week. I will be on it. And his ownership is 12%. I'm looking at Fantasy National. So that's not horrible. But I think if you look at the guys around him, I think that he has a lot more upside. And that he's just played some really excellent golf. Um, 1,000%. Recently and, and had a re some really good finishes. And he topped it off a win. So I think he's trending a little bit. So I will be back on um, – on Seamus Power this week. Um, what are your thoughts on Grillo? He's going to be a little bit higher owned, but I think that this just – I like Grillo for a top 20. I bet him outright, but I don't think he'll actually win. But he has not missed a cut here, and he has three top 10s here. So there are certain guys that they just have their courses that they seem to play well on and that they seem to succeed on. And I think this just seems to be like a Grillo course. And I like RBC as a comp a little bit. And he played really well there this week. So I think all signs are kind of pointing to Grio. Obviously, he's not a prolific winner and doesn't have a lot of win equity. But I think that for a top 20, again, I really like that play. Um, ownership might be a little tough for uh, DFS, but I, I will be on Grio this week. Yeah, I like Grio. He ranks 11 in the course suitability ranking. That's, that's pretty good for a guy 7,500. And right now, he's only 11% owned. So – projected so that that's not that's not too bad and just above him a lot of people are hyping up Poulter you know that's something to, to consider but I don't think Poulter is going to go as highly of as low owned as some people think but going back to Grillo over the last 12 rounds he ranks third in my model that's probably why he ranks 11th in course suitability ranking this is definitely a course fit for him which is why he's had some success but if you don't mind I just want to talk about kind of two guys and that's Harold Barner and talk about a guy who's playing well, similar to Seamus Power. Seamus Power is just hitting the, the, the stuff out of the ball. And so he, similar to Power, Harold Varner's gained four off the approach to the CJ, gained 2.4 Sanderson's, lost something in the fortnight. But then after that, he's gained strokes and approach four straight tournaments. Actually putting this pretty well in the fall swing outside of the CJ Cup. He, he, he's coming in and not too highly owned, but he's trending the fourth best. I really like him. And then a guy that was chalk last week that kind of hurt a little people. He wasn't in the GPP winning lineup, but he was the chalkiest guy. 
and that's Russell Knox. We have him ranked second in our course suitability ranking, and he's only 10% owned. I, I think there's massive leverage because of people bought into him last week, wasn't in the GPP winning lineups, people jumped off him, and then we're going to get an ownership discount with him and a price discount this week. So do like Russell Knox in DFS, like Barner maybe even more. If I were doing a top 20, I might get my hammer out and I might hammer Harold Varner. Yeah, no, I, I'm really surprised with how well Varner's playing. 11th at the Northern yeah. Trump, 12th at the BMW. And I, again, we talked about I like guys that have been playing consistently over this swing season. So I think Varner makes a lot of sense here. And again, I like RBC as a comp. He had a really high finish there. So I like Varner, certainly. And then Russell Knox, I, he cashed like literally like my only top 20 last week. So I'm going to go right back to him. If he, he like, like you talked about, he hasn't missed a cut here. This court suits him well. Again, I said I'd like guys that played well last week and are making the trip and playing again. So I think those are great DFS plays and top 20 plays. If you want to get there on an outright, sure. But I think those are really interesting uh, plays in that area. And I think there would be really good uh, spots to uh, – to make some money. I want to talk about last week's champion for a second, um, Lucas Herrera, because I think that I'm looking right now, his ownership looks low. I, I don't know what it is on, on fan share, but I think that there's this narrative that when a guy wins, he can't back it up the next week. But I really see yeah. no reason why he can't top 20 again. Um, I mean, I don't know if he can win back to back, but I think that he could definitely put together a really decent finish and I will be playing him top 20. And I think that at a number like 80 to one, I mean, it just seems like it can work and it's not like, again, like we talked about, we're not playing two drastically different courses. They're both shorter. So I, I think that uh, I'm going to go back and bet a Lucas or bear top 20. And I think he's a really good DFS play because the initial instinct of most people is to not play somebody after they just won. Oh, a thousand percent. And kind of beneath him, I do want to share one guy who may end up being one of my highest owned golfers in DFS. Not going to touch him with the bet, but for, but and I'm investing a lot of money. I'm going to do my typical 150 lineups this week or maybe 125. We'll see. But Matt Kuchar right now projected at 3%. Obviously, we know he has good course history here. He's won here. He ranks fifth in our course suitability ranking. But, man, there's massive ownership at, at just 3% own. We've seen, or I, if you want to interpret it this way, we've seen Kuchar maybe turn a corner with his form. The Fortnite championship was interesting where he didn't gain off the tee on approach, still made the cut, finished 36, did so around the green and with his putting. But at the Shriners, which is even more impressive, I think, gained 3.3 on approach. And he hasn't done that since the RBC Heritage and the Byron Nelson of, of last year. So then the trend progression, see that too. He's making those giant leaps like a Woodland and a Fowler. And at 3% own, it's 7,200 for a golfer that's one here, ranks fifth in course suitability ranking. I really like Matt Kuchar as a DFS play. And may turn out, I might own 50% shares of him. So 50% of my lineups may have Matt Kuchar if he stays around that ownership number. No, I, I really like that Kuchar play. I mean, he's won here. And I think the guys in his 
Like little, I think Kevin Schwimmel's getting a little bit of steel. I mean, who, yeah. like who? I I feel like Kucher just definitely has way more upside than a guy that's he's priced with like CT Pan or Adam Hadwin. So I like the Kucher play, and like you talked about, it's not like he's off four straight missed cuts, and we're waiting for him to turn a corner at a course that he's won at before. You know, he's been playing decently recently, so I think that makes a lot of sense. I like Kucher, and I think his ownership is really good. For for a past winner at a course. So I think that makes a yep. lot of sense. I like that play. Um, I will, uh, I definitely like that play. And I think I will play some of him in, uh, in DFS. Um, as we move more down, um, Joel Damon's getting, a, uh, Joel Damon, people are playing him. He's probably going to be the highest owned 7K guy and highest owned guy down the board. So, we're, you know, we're never going to advocate for playing someone like that. But I do think that there is some, you know, merit in that, given that he's one at the Corrales and he's been playing decently and made a lot of cuts. And at when we get to this range, I mean, that's really all you're hoping for. Obviously, anything right. inside the top 20 would be excellent. But I think that Joel Damon to top 40 this week, I think, is a good play. And I think that even though his ownership will be a little high, I think it could be a decent um, spot in the area. So as we move down, who, who do you like? As we to end your lineup, 6K range, who are some guys that you're going to be heavily owned and like further down the board, getting into some long shots here? Yeah, I, I like Brendan Steele a, a lot. Uh, he kind of won me or almost almost helped me take down GPP at the Zozo if Ortiz didn't win C. But anyway, that I like I like Jersey Shore. I like Guido a lot. I, I, I like him. Keith Mitchell is someone who's really interesting. I'm going back to Aaron Rye. Higo is incredibly interesting. Really appreciate him. Chez is going to be popular. Sabatini. But there's two, or I'm going to say three guys that I really like in this range. Thomas Dietrich for a 6,600. Young guy, talented. Hasn't won in the year or two, I don't think, but playing well. Played well Saturday. Um, I think he shot like six or seven under. But Jimmy Walker. Jimmy Walker is maybe my favorite play in this range at 6,600. For those narrative guys out there, he shot, a, I think it was a 60 playing with his buddies last weekend, but he comes in hitting the ball well. And so I really appreciate Jimmy Walker. He's actually hitting some of the the best in the, in the range that he has on approach. So I really, really appreciate that. And then I'm actually going to go to Hudson Swafford at 6,300. And we know what Hudson Swafford is. He'll drive you crazy. He's on many people's blacklist, but he's a bad putter. We get slower greens. Maybe that gets minimized, bad putting. But he's trending nicely or fairly nicely for his range. Gained four approach at the CJ. You know, he's, he's a pretty pretty good guy off the tee. And so that's one of his strengths. He'll probably utilize that well this week. But 6,300, you, you can sign me up for some shares of Hudson Swafford. Um, I'm going back to Kyle Stanley as well. And Adam Spinson will kind of round out my guys in that range. You know, I think Swafford is really a great play. I, I just think that his upside and like how he's performed over the past three months is really impressive and some really good playoff fields. And when he gets this off the tee and approach game going and he can make a few butts, he definitely has some of the best upside for guys in the 6K yeah. range. And I just think that it's a good play versus the guys he is around. So – Rob, you got you got DFS up and let let's make let's make a lineup and we'll go in head to head this week. 
We'll do the lineup and then we'll we'll end the uh, this edition of uh, Tab and Verdi. So I'm gonna make my lineup quick. Give yourself a little time, but I'm gonna half use what I kind of wanted and half use kind of mm-hmm. this these ownerships that we got. Gotcha. We'll go over them. Okay. So I'll say I, even though because if you're doing head to heads, like if your listeners, if you're listening right now and you do cash <laughs> games and you do head to head. You, you're going to think things differently than when you're if you're making GPP lineup. So I'm just going to throw that out there because I'm going to I'm going to make a GPP type lineup, even though you and I are going. No, to no, come on! You're trying to beat me. You're trying to take. Okay, my okay. Bucks. All right, gotcha. So I'll make more of a cash lineup then. I like it. Holding yeah, me no, accountable. We're going. We're going a little cash lineup here. I, my lineup. Oh my god, couldn't be better. Okay. Then. And one guy we didn't talk about is Answer, and he he's right now projected to be the highest. <laughs> we not talk about Answer. Yeah, no, yeah. I really with Answer, like for me, like I'm just it's just not like I'm sure he can play well, but I'm just I'm just not about it this week because, and I'm sure yeah. like again, unex, the unexpected things do happen, and you know I think sometimes the perception with Answer is that when he's chalk he doesn't play well or he doesn't live up to it. But I don't know how true that is. Truly, he was very popular at the Travelers. And even though he started slow, he had a top five finish. So I I don't know. I think that I'm just not going to get there. And I I don't really want to be a part of it. But, um, okay, I'm going to get it. Who did I get here? I don't like any. All right. I I have my – You know, and for those listening, answer right now is at 26%. And for a guy that we think would perform well here, he actually ranks 53rd in the course suitability ranking. Some of this, I know we're playing in Mexico. There's that whole narrative, but it's sniffing out to be maybe bad chalk. And sure, could he win and could he hit? Yeah, but over time, you're not going to win in DFS consistently playing guys like that at 26%. All right, I'm leaving I, money on the table. Like I don't care because I don't really like anyone. So I, I'll give my lineup good. right now. Saving the lineup. I'm going Aaron Wise at 9,600. Sergio Garcia at 8,700. Russell Henley at 8,200. Seamus Power at 7,700. Vegas, who I didn't talk about, but I play him every single week. He cashed a lot of top 20 on him. He, he principal. I'm playing him. And I think Tita Green, I like Johnny Vegas this week, like always. And then I'll end it with your play, Gary Woodland, at 76. So I'm leaving $800 on the table, but it's more of a balanced build, and I really don't like starting at the top this week. So that is my lineup. Who are you going with? All right, so cash lineup, which – you know, the, the cumulative ownership might be kind of low with this, uh, but not too low. But starting with JT, 1120 at the top of the board, Russell Henley, 82. Then I'm going Carlos Ortiz, who we didn't talk about, who I kind of like, is 7,600. Woodland, 7,600. And then, yeah, ending it with Russell Knox at 7,300. So thanks for the free money, BK. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be excited to, uh, to give that to you, Rob. First, Cap and Birdie guest, it was excellent to have you on tonight. Uh, you're a great friend. You're a great person in the industry. And we will have to play a round of golf one day once oh, I, yeah. uh, I come south. So plug your podcast, which is great. Listen to it every week. And uh, it was excellent to have you on, Rob. Well, I appreciate you, Brian, so much. Appreciate what you do and who you are. You are a great friend, an OG in this community, one of the 
you know, a good vibe spreader within this place. So appreciate you for that. And thanks for giving me the time to talk about approach. And that is, we're just talking about our approaches in DFS. We're just trying to help make our, our, our listeners, if we got any, some, some money, like that's the whole goal. So we have, uh, sometimes we have guests that share kind of some strategy tips, but we talk about a little bit of game theory that, uh, you know, just some evidence-based material that says this, what does well, or leads to success in, in DFS. So, Appreciate you giving me the time. I appreciate you all. Brian, again, appreciate you, man. Of course. We'll have to do this again. Excellent pod. Check out his pod. Check out this pod on Fantasy Golf, on YouTube, and uh, on Spotify and everything like that. Appreciate everyone who checked it out. And uh, let's make some money this week. Very much looking forward to this event.